Over the summer, um, sort of in June, July, I was reading again, and I, 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 I do this from time to time. Jamie's encouraged us to do this. I was reading through the book of Acts because it's uh, a wonderful example, or it gives a, a taste of some of the things that God was doing um, and God does. And, uh, and the idea is that it, it, um, it sort of raises our expectation of what God uh, did then and what he can do now. There's no difference. This was the early church. Um, but there's absolutely no reason why what God did then, he won't do now and more. Because he promised it. And therefore to read it through and to be encouraged, even in the midst of some of the troubles and difficulties of the early church, you can see how God was acting and how uh, the dis- disciples and the, and the apostles and, and the followers of Jesus were seeing amazing things happen. And, uh, and so I was reading through, <clears throat> and I got to chapter 12, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, and that, that primarily is a story of the amazing miracle of Peter's release from prison. And, uh, um, and it's a great chapter. But I had a problem with it. And I, I read it a few times, and I... Sorry. You're right. <laughs> Carry on. That's fine. Um, and and I, I've read it many times before, and I've actually preached on this, but I, I got stuck with some of the things that were going on. And I, and I just went over it, and I went over it, and I, I just couldn't get my head around a part of it. Um, I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But the majority of it, um, and many of you may have, have read the chapter, the majority is about Peter's release from prison. He was captured by Herod, uh, was going to be put on trial. The day before his trial, um, he, was, he was being guarded. There were four groups of four soldiers. He was in, in the inner prison. And, um, and then God sent an angel, tapped him on the shoulder, woke him up, and then led him out of the prison. Um, uh, it, uh, it's, it's quite it's, it's a little bit humorous story because the, the church was praying, and uh, when he got out, he went to the house where they were praying. He knocked on the door, and they wouldn't let him in because they didn't believe it was him. Uh, although they were praying uh, for Peter's release, uh, when it happened, they just couldn't believe it. And eventually, uh, he uh, he was let in, and. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, it was an amazing time of rejoicing for the church and, and so on. That wasn't the problem. That wasn't the, the passage I had a problem with. The problem I had was with how the passage starts, how um, Acts chapter 12 starts. So I'll read it. Um, we should have it up there as well. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. It was about that time that Herod... Uh, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guards uh, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God to God for him. Now, 
and then we go on to see the miraculous release. Now, can you spot what I had a problem with? And, and I read it a few times, and, and I, yeah, this is how I read it. So I'll, I'll say it again in verse, uh, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw... He, there's a bit missing. Must be a bit missing. There must, there must be a bit missing there. He had James put to death by the sword, and when he saw that pleased Jesus of the Jews, he he had James put to death by the sword, and he moves on. And I struggled with this, and I thought, what's going on? Someone was put to death. One of the disciples was martyred. Now, I, I thought, well, maybe he wasn't that important. Maybe in the scheme of things, this disciple uh, was sort of a minor one. But actually, the opposite is true. If you look at James, and we know who he is, he's James, the brother of John. And the Bible has quite a lot to say about him. This was uh, the James who, with John and Peter, were the closest disciples to Jesus. He was the one that witnessed um, the transfiguration, him being in glory. He was there. He saw it happen. Um, he, was, he was one of the three, that James, Peter um, and John, who Jesus said, come with me at my darkest time into the Garden of Gethsemane. He called them to him while he prayed in agony. They witnessed that. At least most of the time they fell asleep. But <laughs> This is the James that he called the uh, son of thunder. This was no small part of the early church. This was a major player. And in fact, the commentators believe that the reason James was arrested and then Peter, was that these were the prominent people, these were the people and the front who were speaking out, who were there being seen by all the people, these were the pillars of the church. And this is the James that is put to death. And I looked at this and I thought, God, a few chapters earlier we had Stephen. He was the first martyr. A whole chapter is given to him. The way he died, what happened, all that took place, the effect of that, everything. Peter had only turned up in chapter 6 of Acts. He'd not been there at all. And yet a whole chapter, whole 50 verses is devoted to his uh, martyrdom. And now we get James, one of the pillars of the church. In fact, in the Greek, it was covered in three words. Put to death by the sword is three words. And I just struggled with this. And I thought, why didn't you, why didn't you give some explanation? Why, why was there not more about this? Why is it treated so small? And then I thought, you know, do, do you know what? Sometimes, and maybe it's me, things happen in our lives and I go to God and I say, God, I don't understand. God, what is going on? God, I need an explanation. And heaven is silent. Yeah. 
And however much you ask God to explain what's going on, however much you, you go there and say, God, I need to know, I need to understand this, this doesn't make sense to me. Heaven remains silent. And this is the case here. For whatever reason, no explanation, no details are given about James's death. And it's perplexing. And I struggled with this for a while. And we can, we can try and make our own um, explanations as to why this is. Did he do something wrong? Did God need to get rid of him? There's nothing in scripture that gives any credence to that whatsoever. Did God love Peter more than James? You can't conclude that. That's not there. You see, there are times in the Bible, and there are times in our life, that the Bible doesn't give explanation. Where heaven is silent. If it happened in Acts, it will happen to us from time to time. Where things, inexplicable, difficult, challenging events that take place in our lives. And we think, God, what is going on? Why is this happening? And no explanation is given. These are challenging times. They were for the church. They are for us. So how do we respond? How do we cope with things like this? You see, the death of James and the reason for it and the the impact and all that is hidden in the mystery of God. He does all things well. And it's that faith and it's that trust and it's that belief that helps us through these times. I can remember looking back at times where in our own walk in our own lives, in the lives of our family, things went terribly wrong, or so we thought. And you go to God and you say, God, can you please explain why this has happened? And we get nothing back. And then all you can do is say, God, I trust you. God, I know you're good. God, I believe You love me and you're for me. You're for my family. You're for everything that's going on. I don't understand. I want an explanation. You're not giving it. You don't have to. You're God. If you don't want to explain yourself, that is up to you. He's God. He doesn't have to. But what I know about you, God, is that you are good. That you are faithful. That you love me. And that even if the circumstances don't show it and don't see it, I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe that's true. And this was the challenge facing the church at this time. One of their pillars, one of their uh, front people had been taken away. And now Peter was arrested. The expectation must have been that he would go the same way. Herod wasn't about to repent of what he'd just done. In fact, he says, because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he thought, I'll do that again. He was going to have a mock trial and then was going to be executed. There was no question that was what was planned for Peter. And the church knew that. 
Now the church had two options here. They could have thought, well, what are we going to do? James, we, you know, now the Bible does say that it, they were earnestly praying for Peter. We cannot conclude that they weren't also earnestly praying for James. In fact, the way you look at the, the uh, New Testament, you look through Acts, they were praying all the time. There is no question they would have been praying for James. But it didn't happen the way they expected, or the way they wanted, or the way they were asking. So they could have said, they could have just ran and hid and thought, this is a waste of time. If this is going to happen to us, what do we do? But they didn't. They persisted in prayer. Now we can tell from the passage that their prayers, probably because of what happened to James, weren't wonderfully faith-filled. They sort of half weren't expecting Peter to be released. But nevertheless, their response was this. We need to get together and we need to pray. We need to earnestly call on God to do something. Their faith, although tested, wasn't ended. It wasn't dented to the extent that they gave up. No, no, no. They were uh, focusing on who God was what he can do, what he'd done in the past, and they persisted in prayer. It's a wonderful lesson for us. Because if James's happened in the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, when amazing things will happen, so they will happen in our lives as well. Times of real pressure, of real challenge of real testing that can take place in our lives and it's how we respond to those that is so crucial because we can look at that and think you know I prayed I prayed and I prayed for this person to be healed and they weren't how are we to respond to that we prayed and we prayed and that this person eventually died how do we respond to that and this was the challenge the church faced we prayed for James but he wasn't spared we've now got Peter in the same position what are we going to do their response was in faith to keep going believing that God is who he said he was Believing that the miracles that they'd seen, the miracles they'd seen Jesus do, the miracles that they've heard about, would happen. And they pressed on, believing God for breakthroughs, even in the midst of a setback that is major and difficult. And I believe God wants us to have that resilience, to be a church that, despite setbacks, despite things going on individually and as a church, We don't simply focus on it and say, well, this is a waste of time. But we keep believing for the breakthrough that will come as we pray. Keep believing for the God who is a way maker, a miracle worker. It's so good we sang that song. It's so encouraging because that is who he is. That is who he is. And we mustn't let circumstances 
tell us anything different. We mustn't allow the James's circumstances to say, well, he doesn't do it. He isn't this. And that is a test. And, and the Bible says, you will face tests. We will be challenged in our walk with God. If the early church was challenged in this week, so will we be. You will face, we will face these, these tests that will come that will say, God isn't for you anymore. God isn't working for you anymore. God isn't on your side anymore. And we need to be like the early church to say, that is not true. God is for me. I don't understand why this has happened. It's in the mystery of God. I trust him. And I'm not going to give up. God, we do have, uh, we do have an enemy. And his tactics... Because he's a limited enemy, and we need to remember this, is that Satan's power has been um, curtailed. He was defeated. But what he will do, and we often hear about this, and it's important to remind ourselves, is that he will speak to us lies to tell us that we are powerless, Mm -hmm. that God isn't for us, that he doesn't love us. And that is his weapon. He cannot stop the church... Because God has said, I will build my church. Jesus said it, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Satan cannot destroy the church because Jesus has spoken. But he can try and convince the church that it's powerless. He can speak into our minds, and he can talk about, see that situation that didn't go as you wanted? Ha! That's what it's like. That's what's going to be like from now on. He will speak to us like that, and we can listen. Or we can say, no, that's not true. That's not true. I'm not going to listen to you because my God is for me, my God is powerful, and my God delivers. And I'm going to keep believing for the miracle. I'm going to keep believing for the breakthrough. I'm going to believe for more than we've seen because that's who my God is. And that's what the church did. They got together and they prayed and they called out to God. And God did an amazing miracle. He delivered the people. It did Peter, rather. Um, and, of course, he went on to, to be an amazing, effective uh, preacher of the gospel, writer of, of the books, um, in some of the books in the New Testament, and so on. We need to remember what God has said. In 1 Chronicles 7 and 15 he spoke to Solomon when they built the temple and uh, this is Old Testament but this is a picture of the church this is Old Testament church if you like and he said this in 1 Chronicles uh, 17 I think it is verse 15 it says now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place he made a promise He made a promise to Solomon that if you ask me, I will hear. If you come and talk to me, I will listen. I will be attentive. I will be, my ears will be open to you as the church. He made that promise to Solomon and that carries on through the ages. 
And how much more now that Jesus has come, that the Holy Spirit is spread aboard to everyone, is that promise true? As a church, we are immensely powerful because we have this promise that as we pray, God's ears are open and and he is attentive to what we are saying. It's a New Testament promise as well. That he hears our voice. He hears our voice. And we need to be confident that we can call out to him for all sorts of things that we haven't yet seen. And what we mustn't do is look back at the prayers that weren't seemingly answered and say that is the pattern. Because that isn't what God wants for us. Had the early church done that and thought, well, that's the pattern, that's what's going to happen from now on, they wouldn't have got together to pray. But they didn't. They thought, no, we are going to pray for a release, we're going to pray for a miracle, we're going to believe for one, despite what happened to James, we're going to press on. And as the church prayed, and and clearly the passage says, and it makes a very clear link between the praying church and Peter's release. Luke, who wrote Acts, was very clear. He wanted the church, he wanted his hearers to know that the praying church was what caused the release of Peter. We have a powerful weapon when we pray. We will see things change in this place. We will see things change in our society. We will see things change in this country as we, as a church, pray. Because we have this pattern here, we see it, and we need to just get hold and believe it. Simply say, as we pray, things will take place, things will change. And just because things didn't quite work out last time has no bearing on what will happen in the future. Because our God is able, our God loves us, our God is for us, and will do amazing miracles amongst us. He wants to do miracles. I want to encourage you, he wants to do miracles amongst us. He wants to see heaven released amongst us. He wanted that in the early church and we saw it time and time again. There will be setbacks. We do have an enemy. There will be times of mystery. But there will be times of breakthrough. But he does ask us to partner with him. He wants our faith to be to a level where we simply say, I am going to keep praying. The early church's faith was dented and was small because of what had happened but it was still there and God isn't waiting for a church with huge faith that that will you know walk through walls all the time and sees everything happening he's not he's not waiting for us to be giants of faith he's looking for a simple act that says I'm struggling here but I'm going to press on and I'm going to believe for greater things I'm going to believe for greater things. My faith isn't huge. I've had setbacks. I've had difficulties. I'm facing hardships. But I'm going to believe for more. That's all it is. I'm going to believe for more. And God answers faith like that. He answered it in the early church. He'll answer it for us. And I want to encourage everyone, anyone here that has had setbacks and disappointments, that have 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 believed for something that hasn't happened and have wanted and, and looked for something and, and, um, and, 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 you know, and have hoped and yet 
It's not been there. And they've had this James moment. I want to encourage you. Peter is coming. Peter is going to be released. You may not be able to see it yet. You may not even believe it in your heart, but Peter is coming because, and I I love the way Luke did this. He did just give a little bit because he wanted to emphasise that most of the chapter is about Peter's release, and rightly so, that we focus. The Bible doesn't want us to focus on those seeming defeats, although, of course, they aren't defeats. If If you ask the question, who got the better deal, James or Peter... What's the answer? James. Of course he did. He was in heaven. He was with his, uh, his, his lover. He was with Jesus. He was there. He was spared any further pain and suffering. Okay, the church was suffering, but he wasn't. His was, he was with his saviour. So what looked like a defeat, actually for him, was wonderful victory. And that's so often the case. We, we don't see everything about what's going on and, and we struggle. But actually God behind it is, is fulfilling his purposes uh, for us and for the, for the church and for the earth. But nevertheless, for the church, this was struggle. But they saw a deliverance. They saw an amazing miracle, an impossible situation where Herod, unopposed, No one to to thwart him, no one to stop him, but God. And eventually, and we we haven't got time, but read to the end of the chapter, Herod was judged by God. So I want to encourage you that if you've, over this last season, have hit some of those James moments where you've struggled, I want to encourage you that, that actually we... We want to stand with you. We want to stand as a church. But we're believing for those Peter moments of release, of breakthrough, where God intervenes and acts on our behalf and brings about a wonderful miracle. And he's going to do that. This is a new season for us. He's going to be doing that. We're going to be believing for more. We're going to be pressing for more because that's the God he is. And we're not going to settle for what went on before. We're not going to settle for that which didn't work before. We're not going to settle for that which didn't happen like we thought. We're going to believe for more. And this passage tells us we have every right to do that. We have every right to believe for more. Because even if there are setbacks, there are miracles on the way. So I just want us just a a few moments just to, to pray together as a church, to believe for more. So just, just, uh, just want to do a few things. Firstly, I want to just pray. I just want to pray for those individually. I want to pray as a church just in a moment. But individually, I want to pray for those that have gone through or are going through what I w- I've termed a James moment. Where you have hoped and you have been looking for a breakthrough that hasn't come. Or that you've lived through something that has been really painful and God didn't seem to act. And I want to just pray right for you, for you right now. And I, uh, if that's you, just, just uh, you don't have to indicate. I just want to pray. Uh, and I believe God just wants to input to you 
that he loves you, that he's seen you through this, he's with you through it. It's a wonderful testimony of, of Gary in the midst of sadness that he had with his father, that he knew God's presence. And God wants to come to you and be close to you. He may not give you an explanation of what's gone on. He doesn't do that sometimes. He sometimes does, but often doesn't. But he wants you to know that he loves you, that he's for you. And he wants to breathe hope into you that a miracle is coming. That Peter might be locked up at the moment and James has been put to death. But there's a release coming. There's a breakthrough coming for you. God wants to breathe hope and trust and faith into your heart right now. And whether it happens over instantly in the next few weeks or whether it happens over a long time, he wants you to believe for good things that are coming, release coming, deliverance coming, joy coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I pray, Holy Spirit, minister to any here now that are, are struggling with this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah. He's a good father. He is a very good father. He loves you. He really loves you. And he has much for you. Thank you, Jesus. I want us now, if we can, can we stand together? And one of the things that's on my heart, and I sometimes think that as a church praying together, I want us to see uh, more healings and miracles amongst us. And um, it's great. I know, and I've seen a few and I've prayed and I know many people have seen good things. And we, well, Actually, one of the things we were talking about this week is actually to get more of the testimonies out of what God is doing, because God is doing great things amongst us. Uh, and yet we don't always hear it, we don't always see it, but we want to hear more of that, and we're going to look to see how we're going to sort that out and, and make sure we can hear more of what God is doing. But actually, I'm still believing there are still people here, uh, people amongst us that have had long-term illnesses, um, and I want, first of all, instead of praying for that, I want to pray as a church, to join together and ask God to release healing amongst us. To release healing amongst us and to pray for that. Pray for that breakthrough. Pray for that Peter moment of it coming out and suddenly greater things happening. So can we just join our voices together and call out to God to release heaven more and more in this place. That in this season we will see more healings and more deliverance and more greater things than we've seen before. We're believing for that. I believe that's God's got that for us. He is the miracle worker. He is the way maker. We're believing. So God, will you release amongst us greater measure of healing, greater measure of miracles amongst us. God, we ask you, release this. Release this as a church praise. God, we pray, release it amongst us. Sheenamanda, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for that. We pray, God, release it. Let there be a wonderful opportunity. Lord, of, of release. God, we ask, we call on heaven to come down. We call heaven down. Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. We call heaven down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we ask God. Lord, as a church, we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Let there be healing. Lord, we ask you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Father, we just want to pray for just a greater measure of healings and miracles amongst us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you promised it. Thank you that you, uh, Lord, you said you would do greater things than these. And Lord, thank you for what we've seen. Lord, we're not despising it, but Lord, we're asking in this season, let us see a greater measure. Lord God, as we step out, as we pray, as we're believing, as we're in worship, Lord God, will you come and release people? Will you come and heal people? Will you come and deliver from long-term sicknesses? Will you come and deliver from cancers? Will you come and deliver from, from things that have afflicted people for many years, God, that we will see deliverance in this place? We will see release in this place. Lord, even where we haven't in the past, God, we ask for more. We're believing for more, God, because you're a God of miracles. You're the God that makes a way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And the other thing I'd like us to pray for, and it's something that's been on our heart, and I know Jamie shared it, uh, shared it a number of times, is, uh, is, is that you know, God has said, uh, how much of SE18 do you want? How much can you have? And I want to pray that we will, in this season, we will have an impact uh, greater than our size, as it were, in this area. And whatever that looks like, we want to see an impact. We want to see the church impacting this area. We want to see this area uh, improved and made better because uh, of, of God's influence and the church's influence. And in particular, I want to pray also for salvation in that, that we would have people coming from this area uh, to come to know God. So let's just cry out to God for an impact upon SE18 uh, in this new season. Yes, Jesus, we ask for that. God, come. Come, Jesus. Come and Break in, Lord. Break into this, Lord Jesus. We pray in. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. We pray for that. Thank you, Jesus. See you in See in greater measure. Lord Jesus, greater measure. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what we've seen. Thank you for all the good things that are happening. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. See you in Thank you, Jesus. See you in Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we bless you. We bless you for that, Lord Jesus. We ask you to have an impact. We want to see people saved. We want to see, uh, Lord, the, the place transformed and the city transformed. And we pray for SE18 that you will come and meet with us and break, break in, Lord, and come and do amazing things amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. We pray for that. Lord, we ask for good things to happen. Thank you, Jesus. How good you are. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Father, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Shanda, Dada Shanda, Kiyama, Randa, Shanda, Kiyama. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Father, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you've placed us in this area. Lord, we've had prophetic words about our impact and what you want to do in this area. And Lord, we're believing for that, God. And so we're asking that in this season, Lord, we will see greater impact upon SE18, that the good things of the kingdom will come to this area, Lord God, that, Lord, the, the level of debt will go down, Lord God, the level of ho- uh, loneliness will go down, Lord God, the level of, uh, of crime will go down, Lord God. We ask, God, for you to have, uh, Lord, a great influence on this area. 
Lord, we ask, use us, God. Use us as your church. We pray, Lord, that whatever you, uh, you've got for us, Lord, help us to, to hear what it is that we may have influence in this place, Lord, and bring about uh, the good things of your kingdom uh, and, and this area. And Lord, we do ask for, for salvation. We ask for men and women and boys and girls and young people to come in to this place or, Lord, to be, to be met by us on the streets, Lord God, and to hear the good news of Jesus and that they will give their lives to you. Lord, we ask for an increase in salvation in this area, Lord, that people's lives will be transformed by the gospel. People's lives will be transformed by an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And Lord, we ask that we would see that in, our, uh, in this new season, Lord God, and we've seen an increase in salvation amongst us. Lord, we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.